Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Ryan Watches a Movie. This is a bonus episode. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw and Ryan Holes. How are you guys doing? Good. Pretty good. So, <laughs> so this week we're talking about a movie called The Ataxia. Now this is premiering at this year's Dances with Films Film Festival in Los Angeles. Actually, as we're recording this, we're recording this on a Sunday. It premiered uh, yesterday, so Saturday, June 6th. Uh, doesn't have a release date yet, but uh, the reason that we're going to be talking about this movie is because it's about an individual by the name of Kyle Bryant who has uh, a disease called Frederick's Ataxia, and it's actually, if you've been listening to the show since the beginning, you'll know that Ryan has this exact same disease. Now, Ryan, why don't we start off by telling everybody kind of what Frederick's Ataxia is. It's a neurological disease that affects balance and coordination, and it gives you heart problems and all kinds of other problems. It also affects your speech, too. So yeah. It, if anyone's been basically, wondering... Basically, I sound like a drug all the time and look like it. <laughs> <laughs> Which has caused problems in the past, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a breathalyzer. <laughs> when I was in high school, he gave me one awful bugging because they thought my medical ID was made up. Oh, my I remember that. I remember when that <laughs> happened. They you had a fake medical alert bracelet. Yep. <laughs> uh. So, just it was it was so bizarre that this this happened. So, like we get we're covering dances with films this year. Uh, actually, we've done it the last couple years, but we got a, an email about this film called The Ataxian, and I looked into it, and I was like, holy crap, this is this is Ryan's disease, F.A., and it only affects, um, there's only 5,000 diagnosed people in the United States with this disease, so it's extremely rare. So I immediately saw it, and I was like, oh, we gotta, we gotta talk about this movie, we gotta, you know, maybe use this as an opportunity to raise some awareness about this, this, this disease, and it is... A, a terminal illness it's it's only gonna get there's no cure for it there's no treatments for it c currently and it's uh degenerative so it's gonna keep getting worse and worse and worse so yeah i watched a second trailer for that documentary and the one thing the one guy says is imagine every day is the worst day of your life and it reminded me of Office Space. Mm, yeah. When when they hypnotized that guy, and the doctor dies. What about today? Is today the worst? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Well, so what we're going to be doing today is we're actually going to talk to the director Zach Bennett and Kevin. Schlancer about the film and we're also going to have Kyle Bryant on the show talking about his experiences and really what the what this movie is about is uh, Kyle Bryant and three other people one of which has FA also they did a race across America where they started in California and rode the entire way 
across the country in nine days, I think it was. So we're going to be talking about the film as well as what the disease is and where they're at with um, treatments and cures and things like that. So uh, let's go ahead and start with our first interview. These are these are pre-recorded. Ryan and I uh, had a talk with the directors Zach Bennett and Kevin Schlanzer. So let's go ahead and just jump right into that to begin with. Zach and Kevin, thank you so much for taking some time to join us. Now, you guys are the directors of The A-Taxi and the film that we're talking about today. Uh, my first question is, I guess, uh, how did you... Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourselves and how you came to this film? Well, we'll, we'll start in on the, the, the usual spiel here. Um, so Kevin and I have known each other since we were little kids. Um, uh, we were on a first soccer team together. Uh, Kevin's dad was a coach. So we've known each other since we were about five years old. And um, we, uh, we both were, we connected, you know, at about 12, 13 years old. We were two of the only kids who had video cameras and we were teaching ourselves how to edit when we were younger. And so um, ultimately we both ended up moving to L.A. about 10 years ago. We were working, you know, in the industry, making movies and so on and so forth. And about five years into it, um, you know, we were really looking for something to do that we could sink our teeth into, something that we really, really you know, the story that we really wanted to tell, we'd done quite a bit of commercial work and so on and so forth. Um, and so we were heading down to LA from the Christmas break one time and I was kind of ranting in the car, just sort of putting it out to the universe, you know, that I really, really wanted something to do that I could just fall in love with and, and, you know, a story that we could tell. And, and so Kevin, he gets this phone call. It couldn't have been less than a week or two later. And I, Kevin, take it from there. Yeah. So, um, actually we were uh, roommates at the time and I got a call from a, a big family friend, and she introduced me to Kyle's story, um, told me that he was going to do the race and what he was dealing with. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we just talked about what Zach had um, just mentioned, and so I came to him, and immediately we were just both completely, on, you know, on board. We, were, we knew this is what we were going to do. We had to tell Kyle's story. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is your first, your guys' first feature-length film and it's your first documentary that you directed as well right that's correct and what were the was this a challenging feat to to kind of go into the world of documentary filmmaking uh you know as a first timer yeah yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it's probably uh, i'd say to date the most difficult thing we've ever done logistically um it was it was fairly absurd you know kevin uh, kevin's a brilliant cinematographer and um at the time i knew uh, very little about cinematography. My skills were uh, elsewhere, and um, we always make the joke that I could have been getting f-stops off the back of trucks. I really had no idea what was going on camera-wise. <laughs> so uh, it was my—it's um, where I learned a great deal technically. Uh, both Kevin and I did at the time, but we, you know, we kind of—it was—it was, it was a, the first time we'd ever done anything that big, and we were in our early twenties, and it was definitely today. It's still the most difficult thing I've ever done. Oh yeah, and on, on another side of that, going Zach is a brilliant producer, and without him having that knowledge and skill set, it would absolutely would have not been made. Now, what? When was the year that this? Like, how long was the shooting for this this whole process? Uh, well, the race uh, across America that they took part in was in 2010, June 2010. Um, and and then, like, how long? Like, yeah, what, how long before and after the race did you also shoot? Well, so 
so one of the things we did um, that I wanted to do artistically, because, um, you know, when you, when, when you get into a film and you start editing, you get really close to it, you get really buried, you lose perspective. And so, obviously, our race was only, you know, nine days or so, and we had done some interviews before that, interviews before the race. Um, and one of the things that I, the way I set it up as a producer is I told Kevin and Sarah, our other editor, I said, look, you guys go in. It took us about six months to organize the footage, just to organize the footage. And I told Kevin and Sarah, go in, do your first edit. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. And, and we'll give you guys your first edit. So they delivered their first edit to me. I watched it with the freshest pair of eyes we had in the group. And, um, from that point, it was another couple of years uh, because we had to go get other interviews, we had to fill in pieces of the film that weren't there. Um, we had to connect characters that we didn't know were going to be characters when we started shooting the race. Um, so it was, uh, you know, over a period of years that we pieced together this film. And of course, the the saying is "good, fast, cheap, pick too." And we didn't really have any money, and we wanted it to be good, so we knew it was going to take a long time. I noticed that uh, this is something I always ask people when I when I notice it in any movies. But I did notice that you use some like licensed music in this was that an issue getting like the permission to use some of the music that you had in your movie well one of the one of the other things that, that i told sarah and kevin was um the only asset we have with this film is to make it as good as we possibly can and so in the early days i said you know what we, let's just use the music that we really want to use to tell this story and let's hope that we have a film that's good enough to get these artists behind the film when it comes down to having to get permission to use them um, and that strategy so far has seemed to pay off. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, I, was, I mean, honestly, I was the most, I, yeah, music is everything um, to me personally. So I was incredibly excited that we got uh, the licenses we did. You know, those are bands that I've loved since I was before high school, you know, <laughs> in high school. Through, I grew up with all the music. Yeah, the, the music is, Kevin and I, you know, are, are, the music is the heartbeat. It's, it's the soul of the film, and it's the, the most important thing to both Kevin and I. Yeah, that, that was, like, one thing that really stood out to me, like, right away. I was like, wow, they got, they got some really good tracks on here, and that's, that's impressive. Because a lot of times, it's, it's really difficult, uh, especially for small, independent <coughs> movies, to, to get that kind of music in there. What I want to talk about now is like just the the actual uh, logistics of shooting the race itself. Now, it seemed like uh, were you guys in the same uh, like van as the the rest of the team, or did you drive separate? How did that work logistically? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, actually, so after the race started, you know, getting actually ready to go was a whole another story that I'll let Zach tell you, but um. During the actual race, we had a crew of about four, four or five guys. We had an RV that we'd rented. Um, and, yeah, our, we had three camera um, guys on, on the crew, and we'd all rotate out of in and out of our RV, which was following them, and the van, vans, two vans that they were in. Um, so we would just rotate like that, yeah. Now, did you have any kind of uh, issues? Because I know you're shooting night and day and pretty much 24 seven. Were you running into any kind of challenges as far as like lighting and, and stuff like that while shooting? No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much footage that was unusable. Um, you know, and we, uh, sound was a huge issue for us. Um, because we didn't have a professional audio guy, um, on the crew. And yeah, we had, we're so lucky that we got, some of the best moments that we captured were luckily just in the right light. You know, we 
with you know quiet ambience. It was it was really incredible that we got a lot of the, the moments we did. <laughs> a, a, a lot of what happened on this film was, I'd say, it was ninety percent disaster and chaos and pain and suffering, <laughs> mixed with peaks of of miracles that just came out of the blue, and um, uh, it was just it was basically disaster after disaster, and then a miracle would happen, and then we get the courage and the strength to keep going through all the rest of the disasters. And then another miracle would pop up. And that seemed to be sort of what was happening throughout most of the race. (laughs) (laughs) Were there any like uh, big issues that you had that maybe didn't make it into the, into the movie, any kind of like one of these disasters? Well, that whole story is probably going to end up being our first narrative feature because every time we try to tell the story of us trying to make the movie, it ends up taking two and a half, three hours. So. Yeah, there's nothing in the movie that, you know, is about us having, we wanted to, the whole story, you know, we focused on with Kyle and the, mm-hmm. the team and the race um, and some of the families that are in the film. So all of our struggles were not, we didn't highlight at all, but um, there were quite a few. <laughs> On that note, you know, it was um, it was kind of uh, it, it, it was interesting how it worked out because obviously we were inspired by Kyle to to make the film in the first place. And when we were going through all of our problems as filmmakers, um, all we really had to do was sort of look at Kyle and um, watch what he was doing and how he was behaving. And we kind of would remind ourselves, like, okay, we're not we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And so it was kind of, I don't know, symbiotic, maybe um, Kyle says it in the, in the movie, you know, it's kind of a circular process or something, but um, he really, he really helped us get the film done. And um, so we owe a lot to him for just being a, a great leader and an inspiring person. Yeah. I'm, I, I can imagine. Uh, let's talk about, so the film is premiering at dances with films uh, this Saturday, June 6th. Um, do you have the the time and place that that's going to be premiering? I just don't have it in front of me. Uh, it's on Saturday at 7.15 p.m. at the uh, PCL 26. It's right at Hollywood and Highland there, right in, right in the heart of Hollywood, same place where they do the Oscars. We're looking at the Dolby Theater right now through a window. <laughs> um, so it's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, right, right at the heart of Hollywood, 7.15 PCL Chinese 6. And uh, Kyle's going to be there as well, right? Yes. Kyle, Sean, the whole team whole are going to be there, um, and most of the families that are in the film. That's fantastic. Guys, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you have a lot to plan for. I want to thank you again so much for taking uh, some moments to talk to us about the film, and best of luck. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching it. Yeah. Thank you again, Zach and Kevin. Uh, let's Before we get into our interview with Kyle... Let's talk a little bit more about the movie itself. Now, Ryan and Kevin, both of you guys have seen the movie. Ryan, why don't we get your thoughts on the movie first? It, it raised awareness, which is exactly what I wanted it to do. Because 9 out of 10 people have no idea what frequency attacks is. So I'm just happy that more people know about it and hopefully eventually that leads to more donations for research and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's one of those, uh, it's very inspirational documentary. I mean, it's, it's very heavy on the inspiration. Um, but I think 
Kyle Bryan is kind of inherently an inspirational type of person. Kevin, what were your thoughts on the film? It was um, it was interesting because and I think we talked about this a little bit, but you're since we already know about the disease, it was much. I found it much more interesting watching Kyle Bryant because it was like watching Ryan from years yeah. ago. Yeah, and and it, like all of his his movements and everything, it looked exactly the same. Which yeah. was just it was kind of it was extremely difficult to watch. I don't think I've cried that much watching a movie in a long time. Yeah. It's a bit rough. What about what about you, Ryan? Did it did it uh, affect you emotionally? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> because not many things do. Ryan. <laughs> Were you just watching it like, been there, done that? <laughs> uh, my mom and grandma and my friends wanted some add a bunch of tissues for the movie. I had nothing. <laughs> You're like, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How many times did you break to just check your phone? Yeah. We're, While we're, everyone we're, else is like breaking down and yeah, crying. Everyone my, else is breaking my, down. You're perusing Facebook. Charging. Oh, your phone's charging. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining you like 10 minutes in, just like, just your face retreating to your crotch with your phone. <laughs> you just have that boy pussies you you look up and you look and see everybody crying you just go pussies and then go back down to your phone what it was pretty interesting too i mean i've never met anyone else that has my disease and it was pretty interesting to compare where he's at and where i'm at and where other people are at well let's uh it's, it's really interesting that you say that because I, I remember that, you know, I was always thinking that, that you've never met someone else and it was extremely rare and everything. And then they have like a whole symposium for it. Right. And I'm yeah. thinking, yeah. oh, this is just more on Ryan. Like he just never went to the symposium. <laughs> like you could easily it's meet more his fault. <laughs> Not to like, mention oh, that it's in Philly. Yeah, it's in Philly, and I'm just like, wait a second, why hasn't he met anyone else? Yeah, that's a that's that's a good point. Uh, but let's take this this time to actually jump into our interview with Kyle. So uh, this interview we re- we previously recorded, and this one also has Kevin in it. Although Kevin, I don't think you really talk that much in this one. No, I don't do. If you listen closely, you'll probably hear me laugh at one point. Yeah, I think you laugh once or twice. And that's it. That's what I bring. Okay. Let's go ahead and jump into our interview with Kyle Bryant, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the movie. Thank you so much for coming on the show and just talking with us a little bit. Now, I'm sure that you were already informed, but our co-host here, Ryan, also has F.A. So when we when we first heard about this movie, we were just instantly jumping on it. Um, I was wondering if we could just start off with, and I know you discussed this in the movie, but what made you decide to do this this bike run across the country? So I really, forever, even before I was diagnosed with FA, um, I just always wanted to do more. I wanted to do something huge. You know, I've I've just had that in my soul, if you will. Um, and FA has given me the urgency. It's given me the excuse to live now. Because 
um, my abilities continue to deteriorate every day. Um, you know, we're working on research, obviously, through the Free Church Syntaxio Research Alliance, but um, at the same, so I have hope for that, but at the same time, you know, I want to do something huge now. And that's kind of, you know, the, the, the big picture of where the idea for RAM came from. Um, I started riding my bike in 2007 and felt like it was something I was kind of good at, and I, I could do it. Um, while I couldn't do a lot of other sports um, as easily, I could get on my bike and ride for miles and miles. And um, so, you know, it just made sense. I wanted to do something huge. This was something that I could do. And, um, you know, we really actually didn't know if it was <laughs> if it was going to be doable before we finished. But, um, you know, that was kind of the fun of it. Um, so anyway... Uh, that's kind of where it came from. Now, you were diagnosed. W- when were you diagnosed? How old are you now? And when? how old were you when you were diagnosed? Uh, I'm 33 now. I was diagnosed when I was 17 years old. Um, okay. And so it wow. took almost a year for us to get a diagnosis. Oh, that's almost the exact same as me. Yeah, so Ryan was diagnosed when you were like, he was 16, 16. Yeah, so he he was diagnosed when he was sixteen, and you're thirty three now, right? Right. Yep. Your same age. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. You did the, the the film takes place when you you did the ride in twenty ten. Uh, has there been a uh, any developments in like in the disease in you uh, at this point? Where like, can you still ride a bike? Are you still mobile like that? So um, I went for a ride this morning. So yeah, I'm still riding a whole lot. I mean, I ride a trike, so I'm unable to to ride an upright bicycle um, because of the balance issues. But you know, that was the same for Ram um, in 2010. So I'm still able to ride. And um, since the ride, like one one thing that's different is that I now drive with hand controls. So um, I'm really, I'm unable to drive with my feet anymore. Um, and before RAM, I was able to walk. Um, I don't know. If I, you know, if I really tried, I could walk like 100 yards or so. Now um, I probably couldn't walk more than a couple of feet, so I use a wheelchair full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are kind of some of the major developments in my condition. Now, Ryan, you, wh- how old were you, Ryan, when you ended up switching over to the wheelchair? 18, almost 19. So he was like 19 when he switched over to the wheelchair. Um, I, Ryan, I think you had some questions regarding, because actually Ryan never spoke to anyone else that had FA before. So this is like all yeah. completely new for him. Now, Ryan, I think you had some questions about you know, just his day-to-day life. Did you want to ask those? Uh, well, I'm going to ask stuff, but I will jump around because that's how my mind works. Well, just ask your first question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the, what, what doctors do you see regularly? So when I was in California, 
I grew I grew up in Northern California, and I lived here until about five years ago. Um, and I saw Dr. Perlman at um, UCLA. She is incredible, and she's been working with Ataxia for like 30 years. And so I would go down at first. When I was first diagnosed, I was seeing her about every six months. Um, and then, you know, as time went on, I was seeing her about once a year for an annual checkup. Um, and now that I'm on the East Coast, I live in Pennsylvania, and I see Dr. David Lynch at Children's Hospital, Philadelphia. Okay. And do you see, like, uh, multiple specialists, like uh, cardiologists and those people as well? Yeah. So, like, at CHOP and, and at UCLA, you know, Dr. Perlman um, was my central point of contact for all my med stuff, and, you know, and she would send me out for a cardiac appointment, and she would go have me go get blood blood work, so, um, but now I have, now I have a cardiologist that really watches my heart, obviously, in, in um, you know, a lot of other hearts, but um, I have a cardiologist, but it, it's kind of the same deal where Dr. Lynch is my, my point of contact. Everything goes through him, and then, you know, every, all the stuff is kind of managed out from, from that point. And, um, you know, he tells me what I need to do, and all my advice comes from him. So. Now, is that, is that how it is for you too, Ryan? Uh, I only have a family doctor, and I, I mean, I have a cardiologist and a... Neurologist, but I don't see them unless something major changes. You know, I would highly recommend Dr. Perlman at UCLA. She is super awesome, and um, you know she's she's up on all the the current research and um, and just sort of managing symptoms too. Uh, you know, she just has so much experience with so many different people with FA specifically, and um, so I, I don't know, I personally think that's a big benefit in doctor, which, I mean, most doctors really haven't heard of FA much at all. They, maybe they're like, oh my gosh, I think I saw somebody with FA like twice, maybe, you know, and um, so seeing somebody who sees only people with FA or ataxia, I think that's a, a huge benefit, like, from my perspective, at least. So, now maybe uh, th- I guess I could pose this question to either one of you. But uh, is the are the the cases of FA on the rise in the country? Because I know that it's limited to just several thousand people in the United States that have it. Uh, are we seeing more cases of it pop up? It's a double recessive trait. So, like both of my parents had, like they're carriers, but they had no symptoms, so they had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after it was a, it was a one, it was a 25% chance that I would get it. Um, and like I have an older brother who does not, he's not even a carrier. Um, and that's very fortunate. He has two young kids now and, and they're absolutely beautiful. So we're happy for that. Um, so I wouldn't say that, you know, it's on the rise cause it's not like insectious or anything. Um, one in one in one hundred people are carriers and have no idea. 
until it affects their family. So really, it's something to be aware of for sure because, I mean, think about it. You, you've you got more than 100 people that you know. Um, right. You know, and one out of every 100 people you know is a carrier of the disease. And if two of those people get together, there's a one-quarter chance that they will produce a child with the F.A. Um, and so there, statistically, there are 5,000 people in the U.S. that have F.A., and there are 15,000 people worldwide. So um, the free drugs attack the research alliance, who um, I'm on staff at FARA, and we have a patient registry. So anytime there's like a clinical trial or people need information about FA, we, we email out. So people register on there, you know, and they give us stuff like the contact info, but they also give us like the number repeats of uh, GAA repeats they have and the symptoms and the progression of the disease and all this different stuff. So whenever there's a clinical trial, we can email them out. We, we send them an email, and they can volunteer for the clinical trial. Um, and in that registry, we have about 1,500 people. And so it is, you know, it's a matter of raising the awareness so that people know that there's this resource and that, that you know, we're working on clinical trials for a possible treatment and cure. Um, and it's only a matter of time, and so, you know, it's a matter of getting as many people registered in that registry as possible, um, because like I said, statistically, there is 5,000 people, um, you know, but there's only a couple thousand in the registry, and um, that's one of our major things is to get as many people as we can in the registry. I'm going to make sure that we include links in the show notes for all of this information, too. So anybody that's listening that wants to find out more information, they can go to the provided links. Um, now, as, as far as awareness, does it, it I see I see you doing a lot to raise awareness about this disease. Uh, have there been any more uh, advancements in like research and stuff? Because I know years ago. Uh, we were looking at there was like some stem cell research that was m proposed, but it wasn't happening here in the states. Uh, are more people aware of FA? Is my question. Yeah. So, um, so one of you know one of our uh, initiatives at Fara is to grow the scientific field, and um, and so we held our very first before I was around um, before I was at Fara they held. We held our first um, scientific conference in uh, 1999, I believe, and uh, there was 80 scientists, and the only criteria for the scientists being able to get into the meeting was they could spell Friedrich's ataxia. Like, it was really hard to find people who knew about it. Well, we just had a, an international conference in um, the UK along with Itaxi UK and Itaxi Ireland um, and, uh, and a few other partners go far in Italy. And um, we had over 300 scientists there. Um, and the amazing thing is there, a lot of the talks were about clinical trials and about drugs going into patients and how to design 
an effective clinical trial with very few patients um, just because our population is, is small. Um, and, you know, how to, how to design a trial that is statistically significant with only, you know, 40 or 50 patients. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just think that that's really amazing that we've come so far from, you know, gene, the gene was just discovered in, I believe, in 1996, 1997, and, um, and, you know, we're already at the point where we're at clinical trials um, and, and drugs going into patients with, with potential to become a, an effective treatment for the the disease. Um, we've also got a lot of effort behind and money behind um, gene therapy, and um, you know that can be seen for sure as a sort of curative uh, approach to FA. You know, it it goes in um, some of the gene therapy approaches. They go in and they replace bad DNA with good DNA, and um, you know that's as to me, that's as close to a cure as we can get, and um, you know, it's looking really promising right now. It's it's quite a few years away because um, you know it's a long way to go from a mouse to a human, um, from a lab to to a person, but uh, it's very very promising. That's great. Um, now, Ryan, did you have any other questions about you know the, his experiences with? Um. Well, f- first of all, you said you live in Philadelphia. Yep. Wow. Do you? That's like two hours away from me. Um, do you participate in the the Philadelphia bike run for FF? Yeah, so... Yeah, so um, I'm actually the director of all of our bike rides nationwide, and... Um, and our Philly ride was our very first one that we did. Um, it's probably, you know, 15 miles outside the city. Um, and it's amazing because um, it's during a weekend when we have our patient symposium um, put on by the Children's Hospital Philadelphia in collaboration with Farah. And so families come from all over the country, shoot all over the world and participate in the symposium and hear the, the latest science. And then the next, actually the day before, we, uh, we have the ride. So all these people are in town and it's an amazing experience to me. I mean, there's, you know, 25, 30 families affected by FA that are at the ride. Um, and it's really amazing that, you know, we're able to raise the funds we do. We re- that's our, our biggest grossing ride in, for fundraising. We raised a quarter million dollars last year um, at this ride because there's so many passionate people that come out, so many families that are affected by the disease and really want to make an impact. Wow, that's incredible. Ryan, is that the one that you have the person yeah. ride for you? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah, so we donated to that and all that stuff. So um oh, one of the things Thank you. It, oh yeah. One of the things that we always uh give Ryan a hard time about is uh the amount that he sleeps. And I was I, I have to ask, is uh with your experiences, do you sleep a lot more than a normal person? <laughs> so for me, um 
personally, it's not as much of an issue, but for probably, I, I mean, the vast majority of FA patients, that is not uncommon. Um, you know, one, so real quick, the DNA is a series of codes, and one of those codes is GAA, and you and most of the general population, um, you know, have less than 30 repeats of GAA in your DNA. Me and Ryan have many more. I have 450 repeats. Some of my friends have up to 1,500 repeats of GAA at that code in their DNA. When that when that code gets decoded, it makes a protein called frataxin. And I don't make enough frataxin. Ryan doesn't make enough frataxin. And the rule of frataxin is to combine in, with a couple other molecules in in the cells of our body to make energy. And so lack of frataxin equals lack of energy. Ah. And okay. So one of the one of the more prominent symptoms in FA in many many people is chronic fatigue and that's where you get a lot of sleep and um Ryan I don't blame you at all there's so many people that uh that sleep just like you do man so now I can't <laughs> now I can't rag on him anymore about sleeping too much <laughs> it's not his fault <laughs> yeah, he's always like oh, it's my it's like it's my disease, and I'm like, dude, you're just lazy. <laughs> you're wrong all this time. I feel terrible. Oh, my next question was about your hands, Michael. How, like, did you get through insurance to get that? So I actually I ride a trike that I power with my feet. Um, there are a lot of FA patients that do use hand cycles. Um, but I'm still able to use my legs a lot, and so so that's how I ride. It's got three wheels, so I don't have to worry about balance, but I still power with my legs. Um, and so my very first trike um, I bought in 2006, and I it was a birthday present to myself. Um, I called up my dad, and I was like, "Hey, can I can I borrow 2,500 bucks?" Um, I paid him back. <laughs> But, um, so, so I, you know, I bought that, my second trike, the one that I rode on Race Across America in this movie, um, the Challenge Athletes Foundation funded that. They, uh, I applied and they gave me a check for $2,000 to, uh, to buy this trike. Um, and then the current trike that I ride, um, it was a gift from Catrike, the manufacturers who make this trike, and um, so that's kind of a little bit about my trike. Now, the the new one that you have, you said you steer with your hands, right? Right. Yeah, I power it with my feet, and I steer with my hands, and that that it's been the same uh, since I started. Do you find that like doing more activities with your legs keeps them? Operable? Absolutely. 100%. I think so. Um, you know, just, I mean, just circulation. I find I find that if I sit in my wheelchair for a few days and I haven't ridden for a while, my feet swell up. And, um, and then I go for a ride and all of a sudden they're not swollen anymore. 
you know, and so, I mean, just circulation, I think, um, but also just having the muscles firing, you know, I think that FA is a use it or lose it kind of situation. The reason that our legs are affected the most is because um, we're unable to use them. They don't work as well, and so we don't use them as much, and those muscles deteriorate. Um, and I, so I think 100% that, you know, using, and, you know, that's one of the things that drew me to the trike originally is because I was able to power it with my legs. And I was like, well, I can't use these for much else anymore. So I might as well do this, you know? <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for taking some time to, to talk with us. Ryan, do you have any, any final questions for Kyle? Not that I, I'm sure I'll probably think of more later. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have his email now, so you can email him. Absolutely. Uh, thank you again so much for coming on and just talking with us. Best of luck with the film. Uh, I, I'm really excited about the premiere. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, thank All you right, very thank much. You so much. Yeah. Thank you so much again, Kyle. Uh, one of the things that really got me in this was they interview um, a young family that that have two kids, both with F.A., very young kids, too. Uh, yeah. And that was like, when when they were talking to them and when they revealed that their, their very young infant daughter also has it, that was, like, really heavy. See, there's... There's different, I guess, you call it different levels. And I feel kind of fortunate that I'm in as quote-unquote good shape as I am. Because it could be like some of the other people that we saw. Right, yeah. It, it's, uh, it seems like a really tricky disease because it, it, it appears to affect people at different rates and i guess that's what uh kyle was saying about how uh, uh the the what is it like the the genes are the same what do they what, what do you say yeah. like they're the same in it's people all with the disease about the amount of free text and you produce i think it's like repeating like you, you have like certain repeating strains well or... in order to and my dog just told me this when I was 18. Which they were probably getting this from, like, no information whatsoever. WebMD. They were consulting <laughs> WebMD. And I wanted... I forget what I was going to say. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just stepped in and killed it. Killed your train of thought. It seems like the, pe- the the people that have the disease that have more repeating uh, strains or whatever, um, maybe that maybe it's it affects them more greatly. One, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, my my neurologist told me that in order to have this, both of my parents have three carriers, but. In me, both genes have to be one has to be dominant, I think, and one has to be recessive. And apparently that only happens numerically 
one out of every four times. So, statistically, if I had three brothers and sisters, none of them would have it. Right, right. And and Kyle has an older brother who doesn't have it either. Yeah. And his older brother has kids who don't have it. So, it's, it's yeah, it's an extremely rare thing. Like, everything has to be set up you know, perfectly for it to for it to happen. So, but, Ryan. So, are you because I think we talked about it a little bit. Are you did you get that trike yet? You getting out there? Um, are you Oh, yeah. I think you should absolutely get one. Even if um like I don't know, do they make stationary trikes? Is that something They that... make they make the Cause you I'm, could, sure you, I'm sure you can modify it into one. Okay. Or, or you could just take the wheels off. You could probably just get some sort of device that is like a stationary bike that you just move that you just sit regularly and move with your feet. That, they make a thing for a table like that, where it's like the crank and the handbars. That's it, and you just sit at a table. And yeah. Crank. But that would, I, I feel like, no, that but wouldn't you, make him want to go outside or do anything just to the table. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about your legs and feet specifically. Uh, like I'm pretty sure they must make for for people that are in rehab and stuff. They must make things that you can actually sit in your wheelchair and, and crank with your feet, you know, to to work out your legs. Uh, I feel no, like they sure must they make. Do make something like that but if you didn't want to drop twenty twenty four hundred dollars on a, a a trike which i think you should i think you which should is kind of crazy thing about like this race across america like i mean i can ride a bike but i would never think to ride a bike across america that's just fucking insane but then to do it in a trike yeah which i would imagine is much much harder much difficult than just a regular bike, you know, because you're laying flat, and you can't really move your body to like stretch it out or anything. Yeah, with a with a bike, you can change your posture, you can change your position. You know, you can stand, you can sit, you can kind of and shift I would imagine, around. I would imagine in a trike going up a hill would be awful. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I don't know how those trikes work if they're if it's like a. I would imagine it's some sort of gear system like a regular bike. I but think yeah, would... uh, they have intelligent gears. Like, I think the gears know when to automatically switch or not. I don't know for sure. Mm. But I think so. I think you should definitely get one of those. Plus, he has uh, this bike thing that connect directly to the pedals. Well, you, I think you'll definitely keep his feet there. Well, you you'll definitely need that. Yeah, because I I was thinking about it and just how stiff your legs are. <laughs> just I think you you if you get one, you're gonna have to practice like crazy to get yeah. like, well, the, gonna, the movements yeah, down. You're gonna have the you gotta have this strapped in too, because you know how difficult it is wrangling those legs. Exactly, because yeah. those shits are strong. <laughs> They're ridiculous. I think one of the problems is that they like they lock. His they leg, do. And his legs lock, move. and you're like, wait a minute, what is going on here? And it makes no sense because they're so damn thin. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. 
I don't get it. I don't know how they work. I think it's just that his joints lock and you're just it's stuck. You're stuck in place. <laughs> I'm just remembering all the times having to stop on the sidewalk and just imagining what other people are seeing when me and Adam are trying yeah, to try wrangle to... feet <laughs> feet and legs. And it always ha- it always happens in the worst possible place. Like the most populated city areas with with the most people and the least amount of room, his legs will just freaking do their little pop thing and just stick stick straight out. Uh, good but word. I guess that's just a byproduct of of the disease and and the uh, the sleep thing was interesting too. I mean it it makes yeah, sense. It makes perfect for- sense. We forgot to ask him if he sleeps in a ball though. Yeah, that's true. With his shoes on, with his shoes and socks on. I see. I don't in that many. He like he like walks around barefoot. I would freak out. I would freak out a lot. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's interesting. Super sensitive feet. I I have a feeling if you if you started working out your your legs and your feet. I think maybe that sensitivity would go down a bit because I'm wondering if it has to do because he he mentioned that like his feet swell up and stuff and I'm wondering if some of that sensitivity has something to do with uh, well think like like how much circulation does Ryan's legs get right exactly like I I, I'm wondering if it has it's it's a circulation thing plus they're 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 cooped up in those sneakers in your kicks (laughs) all day. You gotta, wonder, you gotta get them shits out, Ryan. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if there is a way to like condition your feet to not be so sensitive. If there was, I would love it. And I also don't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, I think this was an enlightening uh, film for for anybody that isn't aware of this disease, or even you, Ryan, who have the disease but didn't you don't you didn't really know anybody that that also had it and their experiences so it is interesting to see like other people that have this very rare disease and see how they like the, the the issues that they have and the problems that they have and you know to find that it's pretty much the same as the, the kind of shit that you're going through correct I also want to add the fact that uh, I don't know if this is appropriate time. Probably not. But uh, Corey is, my friend Corey is doing the bike ride again in September. Or I guess this year it's in October. Okay. So. What, the, the, the Philly ride attacks you? Yeah. Oh, he shit. just told me like two days ago. Are you going to it? Yeah, I want to. So again, I'll put uh, a link, I'll also put a link in the uh, show notes for the uh, page, the donation page for Corey, Ryan's, yes. Ryan's rider in the Ataxia, what's it called? Ride Ataxia. We do. Uh, we need to get your trike, and we need to get you in that ride. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so basically, ride a taxi is kind of like um, it's 
where they you can you can pledge money to a rider who is is it's all going to what's is it going to the, uh Farah? Yeah, the thing Kyle works for, yeah. And which is the the Frederick Taxia Research Alliance is it alliances correct. Yeah. So all the proceeds of the ride are going to go to that so you can donate and help fund research for this FA. I never even I don't think I even ever heard of it referred to as FA until this movie. I uh, my no my neurologist did but I was a kid. But that's it. I'm right. just, again, I'm just really good at that. It gets awareness out there, and people actually know what it is instead of not knowing anything. Yeah, I don't think I've ever met anyone that's known about it. Well, yeah, that, Outside that was, of, like, us, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, that was that was one thing I wanted to ask Kyle, is if, if he frequently, like, how many times a day he has to explain what, what it what his disease is and, and what it's all about because I, I wish Ron would ask him if he ever had a breathalyzer done. Hmm. Yeah. It's just, nobody knows about this thing uh-huh. and it's just such a terrible, terrible disease. We'll be sure to post updates on the ataxian, like when it's, when it's coming out and hitting VOD and available for everyone to see. Hopefully it won't be, too long hopefully it'll find a, a distributor or maybe they'll even self-distribute and get it out there but uh any any closing thoughts ryan kevin thanks to everyone yeah again for you guys and them for making this man this is all really cool yeah i think it's great all right uh thank you again zach kevin kyle for coming on the show, talking to us about the movie. Once again, I will plug all the links for everything are going to be in the show notes. We'll put a link to Farah in there. We'll put a link to the Ride Ataxia, any other relevant topics that you might want to look into. And, and I think you should look into this. I One of the questions that I didn't ask um, when we were talking about the fact that it, this is like genetics and that the, the mother and the father have to be both be um, not carriers, but have the have the specific they're code kids. structure. They're, they're referred to as carriers. Do they? Okay. Well, then um, I'm wondering if there's a way to test for that. You know, like if you there decide that you want to have kids, if there's a way to, to test to see if. There is. Okay. But uh, when like when when they found out she was like Kyle, when I first found out, now my chick existed, and the only test that I could get was sending blood to the Mayo Clinic and having them test it. But they said. Since I came back positive, they already knew my parents were both carriers, so they wouldn't be tested because it would be kind of pointless. Well, yeah, but 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 yeah, um, so I think there is a test for being a carrier. Okay, well that's that's also really good 
to know because you know you definitely don't want to risk something like that so all right well i think that that'll wrap it up for this bonus episode uh you can send us your questions podcast at filmpulse.net is the address you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net at filmpulsekevin and at my legs don't work and you can take a look at our patreon page patreon.com slash filmpulse consider donating helping support the show for kevin rickstrow and ryan holes my name is adam patterson and we'll see you on thursday for another episode of ryan watches movie see you later